Welcome back to another wonderful episode of your favorite show and ours. The Fervent Four Show, episode 183. Here we are. Planes flying overhead. Really? So those those don't stop all day. Do you hear them all day? Uh, you know, they, they do their thing. You know, they, I, we always joke, man, they go out for lunch or they go out for breakfast and then, then they come back. So it all depends on what time they go to, uh, start their, start their flight and whenever they decide to come back. We have some, um, I guess it's the weather military planes with the big circle thing. Oh on top yeah. Of it. Yeah. We got those yep. every once in a while. I was on my run today. I saw one of those and I was like, damn, that plane is really low. Several helicopters will go through throughout the day they fly pretty damn low too but at night because fentress is somewhat close it's probably like seven to ten o'clock yep they've been practicing a lot recently and so um yeah i always wonder like um at the uh, the virginia beach amphitheater if the if the pilots if they know if a concert's going on and if they if they purposely go a little lower when they uh when they fly over the amphitheater or not because uh there's times that they will Scare. Oh, you've been there when like, you happens? see, oh yeah, the artists will just jump because they're just not expecting it, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, they're buzzing the amphitheater. But when I was recording Anomaly, the first day we went in, and um, Chris Lane and I—he's the the guy who did the audio for it. We were, he was at seventeen oh one at the time, and we were in the the booth recording, and it was like. Every 10 minutes it kept going by. And I'm like, yo, dude, we're not going to be able to use this. Like, th- I-, I cannot record this right there because it's just, it's already hard enough. Like, you only have, I think I told you this when I was recording it before, like, you only have a small amount of time that you can mm. actually get those words out a day, maybe three hours. And then once that three hours is up, you're you're done for it. Yeah, you got to rest, uh, rest up those vocal cords, right? It's crazy how you can literally talk on the phone all day, but then when you're trying to voice a book, it becomes a mm. a, a lot more difficult thing. It's know. the sound of freedom, is what they say. Bill, you, our guest today, Bill Peterson, is a. I guess he's familiar with familiar with the sound of freedom. Coming to joining us from Flying Ship Technologies, be fun to to dig in to see what you got going on. Welcome to the show, Bill. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah, you've been you've been flying for uh, for quite some time, right? Flying, yeah, yeah. I started flying at the age of uh, of fourteen. Uh, flew off and on, and then I went. Uh, I almost got my private uh, before I went to uh, uh, college. Went to Embry Riddle Aeronautical University, and uh, and then uh, I got distracted because it's in Daytona Beach, Florida. So. Uh, had a good time down there with my, my, my friends, but I got a degree in aerospace engineering. So I was able to balance some of it, uh, but wasn't able to finish up some of the uh, the flight school stuff. So you've been, like? you been, you been involved it, it, with like, aeronautics ever since? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I've uh, spent my career in the aerospace and defense industry, um, done a whole range of, uh, of, of different things, everything from engineering to business development, a little bit of government affairs, um, um, international strategy, uh, a bunch of, you know, things that sound, uh, sound pretty complex, but, but as soon as you, you crack them open, yeah, it's, uh, it's a little bit, uh, uh, as soon as you figure it out, rather, it, it, it's not as uh, complex as it sounds. Okay. So like when you're on a commercial flight, 
and you hear like certain sounds, you know, as just a rando on a plane, I have no idea what I'm hearing, but I'm like, damn, that sounds a little like, I'm a, that sounds a little suspect. That sounds a little sketch. Like, do you know at the time if something is, is going okay, bad, like, like, yeah, it's nothing to worry about. Like, is that something fairly easy for you to recognize or do that? Does that not really happen on commercial flights? Yeah. You, well, I, I, I usually know. Um, and, um, and it's always it's always fun flying with somebody who doesn't know, especially, uh, you know, with with somebody that has logged a lot of hours in smaller aircraft, because if you're flying in a Cessna 152 or, or, or 172, a small airplane, very small airplane where, you know, it's they've got seats in the back, but it really it's almost just like a two seater with enough room for luggage in the back. You get slammed around uh, all over the place in those those little aircraft. And um it's uh, uh, so turbulence, you become uh, immune to turbulence as soon as you get into a big aircraft. I mean, when you hit a turbulence in a big, big plane, it is nothing like being in a, in a little, in a little Cessna. Really? Around. Um, it's a lot of fun. I don't know if I could ever become numb to turbulence. I mean, it's just, uh, I don't know. It's just. So a little plane is a lot of turbulence is what you're saying. Yeah. Cause I remember when I went to Japan, um, gosh, over a decade, 20, 15 years ago, maybe we were in a huge plane on the way back. It was a double decker on the, on the way out. I don't know what it was, but it was huge. It was huge. And I didn't hear, like, we literally had to take the entire runway. That's how long it took the, the plane to get off. I didn't feel a damn thing. Like it was the smoothest ride ever. And so maybe there is something to do with that. I, it's inertia, I my friend, inertia. You, you, you get enough <laughs> uh, inertia. It's hard to move uh, a big aircraft like that. Um, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, at a little one, and, and the other thing with a little airplane too is um, you've got to practice. You you've got to practice uh, like the engine going out over and over again. That's what they do. Uh, so you you'll go up, and your flight instructor will all of a sudden you'll be having a conversation like this. The flight instructor will just all of a sudden pull the engine and shut the throttle off or throttle it way back. And you've got to practice. You got to practice uh, trying to figure out where to land or what to do in an emergency situation. Turn your engine back on. Um, so I've seen stuff like that on YouTube where people are practicing stuff like that. It's it's scary. It sounds scary. It, it's frightening. Yeah, but it's fun. It's what fun. about fast so, like fast fighter jets, like the ones that are they F 18s Is that what you're saying, Tim? That's what's around us. Uh, my house is my house F twenty twos. All right. So so a, a fighter jet. Do those feel turbulence, or are they going so fast it doesn't doesn't matter? Yeah, well, you know, I've never flown one, but I, I imagine when you're going at, you know, uh, at the speeds that they're going, uh, they're they're not feeling a lot of turbulence at all. But uh, I have no authority there, so. Um, there you go. I appreciate your honesty. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, so is that the is that the genesis then of flying ship? Uh, in terms of how did you get the idea? What's the genesis of the company? Yeah, so you know what. Um, I've always been sort of this, you know, kind of aerospace geek, you know, just kind of always kind of geeking out over aerospace uh, uh, concepts and technology. And the, the Russians actually built um, these massive ground effect craft called a chronoplans. Um, and they built one that had a greater lift capacity than one of those aircraft, Zach, that you said you were on probably, unless you were on an A380, but they had a greater lift capacity than 747s. Uh, at the time, so the, he the the greatest lift capacity out of anything on Earth at the time, 
And if you Google the Caspian Sea Monster, you can see one of the more commonly known ones. Um, so because you're when you're operating in what's called ground effect, when you're just above the, the surface, like when an airplane is coming in for a landing or about to take off, basically what's happening is the there is um, uh, air that is sandwiched between the, the wing and the ground and it increases lift and it decreases drag. So you can increase the lift capacity. Anyways, I'm kind of going down a rabbit hole, but the, the Russians capitalized on this. They built these massive, massive monstrosities that were just ahead of their time. And I was always fascinated by them. I remember seeing a, um, a documentary when I was probably, I don't know, probably 12 years old uh, on, on these, uh, these acrono plans and just thinking, why, why did that never come to fruition? And then, um, and then it was just sort of forgotten about technology until um, myself and a couple other startups uh, uh, that came just after me uh, started going after this this technology. Um, the Russians, essentially, the Soviet Union just ran out of money, uh, and uh, otherwise they they probably would have would have really commercialized these. Are, are those are those are they bigger than the C five? Uh, yeah, on par, probably bigger. I think I think heavier lift capacity. Um, I wow. think we can look that up. But, you know, it, it, around around the same uh, lift capacity, if not a little bit more. I mean, to me, man, the, the C5 is just, just I mean, you, that thing is so big in the air. I mean, I, I always just look in amazement. It's like, how is that thing able to fly? I mean, that thing, I mean, it's just massive. It's, oh, uh, yeah, so cool. And it's cool to go in there because you're like, am I in a, you know, uh, you're basically in a building that's turned sideways. Yeah. When you step in. I mean, right? Zach, Zach, this thing is so big. Like they, they put in like fire trucks, you know, like they'll, they'll like when uh, they deploy forward, the military deploys forward tanks, fire trucks, all that stuff just goes in the C5 and now the C17. Is and, that where they uh, so move most of the soldiers to in one of those? There, there is. So there's a passenger area in the C5. And the thing that's interesting about that is that you're up top towards the tail of the plane and you sit backwards. So your, your back is to the, to the cockpit. So it's just a, it's goofy from that standpoint, but uh, yeah, back, back in the day when I was in the air force, I was able to fly a couple of flights in the C5 and it's, it's, it's an incredible, incredible plane, but yeah, you can, according you can, to the you internet, can pass the, you can play football. Tool. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fun. Big. I think I've seen some of those out at um, when I used to live in Oceanview. I feel like I've seen maybe one of those. Yeah, you'll you'll I've... see them. You'll see them circling around from time to time. Uh, I, the C seventeen is is taken over. It's not as big as the C five, but I think cargo capacity of the C seventeen is a little bit larger. Hmm. But the same same deal. Like when the president flies, all the limos and all that stuff, they just put in the back of those uh, in the bellies of those big cargo planes and fly the limos to wherever they need to go. Oh wow! Um, finally learned something today. I've been waiting. Thank you. <laughs> no, it's pretty cool. It's uh, yeah. So so I didn't. We didn't mean to go down the the C C five C seventeen rabbit hole. So uh, continue on with the Genesis build. Yeah, yeah. No, I well, I, I mean, no that that is that is a cool aircraft, uh, C five and C seventeen. So um, uh, so continuing down the Genesis. Well. One one in interesting little uh, uh, anecdote about the Russian Acrono plans is uh, Khrushchev used to joke that he had uh, 
Uh, he had ships that could jump over bridges and everybody just assumed he was drinking too much vodka. Um, and uh, it turns out he, he did. So they, they built these Russian chronoplans so that they could, you know, they were people movers and, uh, but they ran into some technical issues. One was that they were trying to move at uh, 300, maybe 350 miles an hour, just over, over the ocean. So the captains or, or pilots, they were white knuckled uh, operating these, these crafts. So if they messed up, they would die and everybody else on board would die. And the other uh, challenge they ran into is that they had a, a bunch of jet turbine engines uh, in the front of the craft and they would, they would ingest sea spray. And if anybody knows anything about aircraft, the, the engines are the most expensive part of, of the, the, the aircraft. So they were continuously eroding and corroding the, the engines. So they had to uh, uh, throw out the, uh, the most expensive part of the, 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 the craft. So what, um, you know, I'm just thinking about this uh, and, and I was involved in some projects that were spearheading some of the autonomous systems um, uh, development in, uh, in the aerospace industry. And um, just looking at the trends towards autonomy and looking at the the electrification of, of aircraft and the trend towards more and more electric aircraft. And then just looking at some of the, the, the trends towards having, you know, more lighter aircraft that had used more composite uh, materials uh, and just kind of plotting all of those trends in, in one direction. And then looking at these, these legacy, really cool, craft that took advantage of an operational window that was far more efficient than than traditional aircraft sort of thought about it and and i mean you know how it could if you if you brought all of these concepts together to this this uh legacy technology you could uh reduce the essentially eliminate the risk of onboard human life uh you know being being at risk you could dramatically increase efficiency and um and you could you could solve a lot of the the logistics issues that are are facing the 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 world economy um you know with all of the supply chain constraints that are happening in and around ports and 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 uh, fixed infrastructure so um i did kind of the opposite of what any business school teacher will, will tell you that you need to identify the, the problem first and then and then uh, determine the solution. I sort of saw this this technology, this nascent technology that that had great potential and then developed the, the, the business case around why that would be able to have a tremendous impact on on the logistics and transport and transportation market. So as we're talking about these big planes and, and the name of your company being the flying ship, uh, flying ship technologies, how, how big are the, uh, the aircraft that you are looking to design? Yeah. So first off, I, I, I'll correct you, Tim, uh, on, instead of, instead of aircraft, they're technically classified as maritime vessels. And this is actually one of the reasons right. why they are. Yep so advantageous because it's i'll call it i'll call it a friendlier regulatory regime uh there's an actual definition for what's called a wing and ground effect craft it's looked at like a hovercraft because it doesn't 
doesn't interfere with with uh, with aircraft flying aloft, right? You're only worried about ship traffic. You'll never have to worry about them dropping out of the sky on cities or or, or playgrounds. Um, you're only worried about the the uh, safety of, of mariners. So they're classified by the International Maritime Organization and and and, uh, and international governments as as maritime craft. So we're able to get to market faster. We don't have to use some of the systems that uh, uh, take aircraft very very long times to um, to be able to certify. So we can we can use some commercial off the shelf um, systems instead. So um, you you asked me about the size of the aircraft and I went off on a tangent. I'm sorry. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to try to impress Zach here quickly cuz I, I learned this last week. So like with you being a being a maritime vessel if you will, you know, then that 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 allows you that you only need to coast guard certification as opposed to FAA certification. Right. Is that is that Right. There, there, there is something happening on uh, on uh, Capitol Hill right now where they're having some discussions between the Coast Guard and FAA. So they're, they're trying to um, finalize what that that means in terms of certification. But it is an, a Coast Guard certification, not an FAA. So the difference between like that and a drone in that kind of case, the drones have some sort of FAA regulations that are crazy in there here. How, how high up are they flying right off the water? Within one wingspan length. So as long as it stays underneath the wingspan length. Okay, um, it's uh, it's classified. is that from sea level, I guess. How does so? So yeah. So some of these things are still being uh, defined. This is this is sort of uncharted territory. It, it, again, it's it's seen el elsewhere around the world, um, but it's 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 uncharted territory here here in the states. So that that definition is being being pushed around a little bit by uh, the two regulatory bodies I just mentioned. And how yeah, how is large do you think these things will be? So right now we've built multiple six and a half foot uh, uh, models. So three, uh, six and a half foot uh, uh, craft. Um, we, last week I was just out in California with members of uh, uh, military doing some 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 uh, demos and testing with one of our our craft. Um, and but we're scaling up. So and and, and remember I said before inertia is key for those large craft uh, like. You know that A380 that you may have flown on, Zach. It was either a 747 or A380. Um, inertia is key for for ground effect craft too. The larger you go, the more operationally efficient they are. So you can deliver more payload for a given amount of of energy, and you can sustain uh, operation under a lot uh, rougher sea conditions. So we are looking to scale up. So we've got some initial designs that that uh uh, uh can deliver up to six thousand pounds a thousand nautical miles which you know kind of sounds like a lot but you're talking about really a, a delivery van sized payload so think about like that ups truck or, or fedex truck that that uh like that size payload being able to take that to anywhere around a coastline so the 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 unit economics and, and we're so the, the the main selling points are it's less than a quarter of the operating cost of a comparable fixed wing aircraft, ten times faster than anything at sea, green technology, um, and it's um, provides tens of thousands of additional access points along a coastline. So 
we could have a dramatic impact to regions like the Caribbean or anywhere along the 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 the, the coast, like the I ninety five corridor. But you know, just taking the the Caribbean for example, in Southeast Asia, you've got what's almost like a bunch of standalone cities with no interconnecting uh, transit system except for the ocean. But in order to ship goods out to these regions, you've got two options right now. You've got air freight, which you can do right now, but it's very expensive. Uh, it's fast, but but it's it's going to cost you a lot of money. Uh, or you've got maritime shipping, which is, um, you know, it's inexpensive, but it's very slow. It can take days, weeks, or even months to get um, to get uh, shipments for uh, out to the islands. And, you know, for example, Amazon, um, from my understanding, they're having a very hard time pulling together a business case to create uh, next day prime delivery out to any of the, 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 the Caribbean islands, except for maybe some of the, the larger ones that already have a have a hub. So we can dramatically change the standard of living for uh, people that live on those those islands because they don't they don't really grow much on the islands. I mean, there's not a lot that's grown there. There's not a lot that's produced there. Most of them are operate off of a, um, an economy that's based on on tourism. So in order, you know, in order to 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 sustain that, um, they're they're shipping everything in and everything out, or trash out at least. So are you looking to move uh, just cargo first? Will you ever look uh, look to transport humans, or are you sticking with cargo? Uh, cargo? Yeah, we definitely want to move move humans uh, eventually, but um, it, I mean safety is is paramount. So you know, not only do we not want the company to go under, uh, but you know we just we're just not putting people at risk on there until it's absolutely safe. And then, then the other advantage of doing an unmanned system first, um, getting to market with that that unmanned system, is um, you don't have to. I mean, if you remove the uh, everything that a human needs on board you can dramatically reduce the cost and repurpose space and power and weight for 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 cargo so um you know you take the take the um uh, the windows out take the emergency escape hatches out take the cockpit out the screen you know the 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 uh displays out uh even the the uh air conditioning uh systems out and you reuse all of that for um for transporting cargo then you can um you can get to market faster and save save money and in, in, in energy moving that that cargo around where, where do you envision the humans freaking out when they see these things just close to their waterways you know i'm just thinking like this thing's going up the chesapeake people just freaking out um do you guys feel like there's going to be some sort of a some sort of marketing push behind it, making sure that people realize that, hey, like these are safe. Don't don't be threatened anything like that. Like, it, it, you worried about that at all? Has that come up at all? Yeah, Zach. In fact, you know what's going to happen is the the number of UFO sightings is going to dramatically increase as soon as we uh, we start start uh, operating these. Now, um, yeah, absolutely. You know, we we've got we've partnered with um, some. Uh, companies that are leading the way in um, uh, and autonomous systems, unmanned systems. Uh, and so, you know, we're integrating their commercial off that we'll call them commercial off the shelf 
uh, uh, systems that uh, they've, they've already developed on board uh, our craft in order to, um, because we, that, that's not our specialty. Our specialty is creating the, the, the craft itself and then integrating systems that have already been proven in the field um, uh, to, to do this. So in terms of a marketing push, a marketing ploy, the way that we're doing this is we're setting up what are called some sandbox um, routes in which we've got uh, oversight there. It's a controlled environment and we're, we're ensuring um, uh, that, that we've got the, you know, limited, uh, uh, there's limited uh, um, uh, traffic in the region and uh, it's just a control space. So, and then we deploy more and more of those sandbox routes uh, around, uh, around the world. So, I don't know if that exactly answered your question, but that's the answer I'm giving you. You would you had mentioned uh, you're testing it out of the West Coast Air Force. So is uh, is using the military is that is that kind of phase one? Hope maybe you can get uh, some some federal money, some uh, DoD money to help with the uh, the R and D nailing everything down until you're ready to hit scale and then and then go to the commercial route or you, or you, what, what's your how do you plan to yeah what, what is your your involvement with the military and then in the future yeah no i so um we we are not relying on on the military we know that there, we've got very strong demand signals that are coming out of uh out of the military and we know that this has a, has enormous applications to the military but we've got uh, more than 200 million dollars worth of customer commitments and letters of intent from uh commercial um logistics companies including one that we 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 announced uh, a couple months ago ramps logistics in the in the caribbean um, so our, what we're doing is where we're focusing our energy on those commercial customers and we're going to be building a 20 foot version for um, one of the customers in uh, in the Caribbean and starting that, those those routes. The military will come. We're confident on, of, of that. Um, and uh, so but we just can't wait for an act of Congress or can't wait for them to. To, to get this, um, there there are very very strong demand signals though coming out of them, but we just don't know when that will happen. Right. What? Um, how is how is the demand then like in the Caribbean? Are, are they ready for it? Like, hey, we want this yesterday, or is there still going to be uh, like an, an early adopter period that uh, that you're going to have to appease to them and then continue to to scale? I'm just thinking, and, and I guess the genesis behind that question was like five years ago, telemedicine was like, now nah, we're not ready for it yet. But then COVID happened and then everything accelerated. And so here I'm thinking like right now, like everything is great. Hurricane season is almost over. You know, no one's in any particular rush. But if there was like some hurricane that came through. Knock yeah, I, well, you know, but then, you know, I mean, it's just one of those things, you know, I mean, like take advantage of every opportunity or don't don't waste a crisis. But if you're in a situation where there is an earthquake or a, a natural disaster of some kind and you were the one way to get supplies in, you know, that yeah. is it going to take something like that to to demonstrate the the capabilities that you have. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I I, I think. You know, 
And my response is that the demand is very, very strong right now. And it's, and it's clear from the number of um, uh, aircraft that are being bought for, you know, for example, the, the uh, Cessna Sky Courier and Cessna Caravans that are uh, small air freighters. And they have a very similar um, uh, cargo capacity. And they're, they're, they're the ones that are right, used right now. So now, now what you typically find is air freight will come in in the belly of a, of a large aircraft into some of the really big islands, like maybe Trinidad or Puerto Rico. Um, and, um, and then it's broken down into, into smaller, uh, you know, pallet or the pallets are, are taken off and they're, they're, they're taken off into uh, smaller aircraft and then distributed around the, the islands or they'll put, they'll be put on, on, on ships and they'll be brought to everywhere. So the demand for price sensitive, time sensitive cargo is, is, is huge right now. That is a multi, multi uh, billion dollar uh, uh, market. I mean, for it's, it's greater than, um, greater than a, a hundred billion dollar market for, for those types of, um, uh, uh, crafts. So, you know, if you look at that market that we're targeting, th there, there is clear demand there. Now, in terms of early adopters, we've already got companies that, that have signed up and said that they, they want to do this. So we've already got orders. We, we don't have, we don't have a customer uh, 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 procurement or customer uh, acquisition uh, issue. We don't have a, um, uh, a technology bottleneck. What we've got right now is a, a production uh, issue. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I, is, is that the, is that how you, uh, you were looking yeah, at Yeah. I mean, I'm just, cause gosh forbid, I wouldn't, I don't ever want to see anything happen, but I mean, I just think it's something like Maui when people, uh, you know, they needed supplies in a really, really big way and there was no way to get the supplies that they needed. But, uh, to your point, if you had big, big planes flying things into the big Island, uh, into Honolulu, then you could just take your company and then fly all the supplies needed to uh, the people of Maui when they were trying to fight the fires. Yeah. And, you know, one of the, one of the challenges too, with, with big aircraft is that they're, they're limited to, uh, to, to runways. Right. So, um, and here on, you know, mainland, that's, that's not that big of a deal. There's a lot of, a lot of airports around here, but when you're on an Island by, you know, uh, almost by definition, you're very limited on space. And they, a lot of these smaller islands, they either have very short runways or they don't have airstrips at all. So, so you've got to uh, helicopter it in, drop it in, and that's very expensive, very slow, and also very limited on it's the, the types of weather conditions. So for, for us, we've also built them with a beaching capability and um, they, which is what the Russians did uh, with their chrono plans, um, and um, so we were we're kind of over. I've heard it described as a self-healing runway. We're always over a self-healing runway um, in the ocean, right? So we can always if there's a, if there's an issue, we throttle back. And we 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 touched right down on on the water, and then we can we can taxi in. Now the smaller our smaller craft uh, uh, can't deal with all sort of. Uh, 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 surf conditions, but the larger ones definitely can. Um, so, um, so we, we can be that first aid responder 
to when there when there is because there will be another earthquake there will be another tsunami there will be another uh devastating hurricane and and um we, we know that that'll happen so this is a, a excellent use case for being able to save lives i think you said at one point you were a jack of all trades you've done a bunch of different stuff uh in different kind of realms uh, what, what number of business is this for you Oh, well, in terms of startups, this is my I've, I've done a uh, a consultancy startup, which is not a real startup. This is this is a uh, my number one. But we've got other team members in here that, that have done this before as well. What's it been like so far? Like what, what what's kind of the biggest lessons learned? Oh, man. Loss of sleep. It's uh, it's 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 uh, a <laughs> what's it been like? Uh, no, well, it's, I guess it, it is <laughs> stressful. Yeah, go ahead, Tim. No, I got one of the questions that uh, I mean that that I'm curious from a from from your point of view is, I mean you you are in a industry that it's it's capital intensive, it's going to take a long time, uh, just by the nature of it. So like, what what are the things that that you put in place, or are you thinking about putting in place one to to keep keep people's attention, to keep them excited, just because I mean it's just. The, the the production aspects, it just takes a really really long time. If you look at the Model Three, you look at the Cybertruck. I mean, it's like all that stuff was in development for a long time, and, and the stuff that you're doing is is going to be the same same way. So, you know, what kind of things do you put in place to keep people engaged? Yeah. So, um, I the 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 way that we're doing it is building, and it's it's very much like that showroom model floor or the, the the showroom model that say like elon musk when he when he brought up the the um uh the cyber truck on stage um it, well, but we're taking it a step further than that rather than just showing it off because what we can actually start doing with those initial models is uh start making actual deliveries and, and monetize the craft and while we're doing all of that we're, um, we're, we're ensuring safety and, and testing all of the systems on it as well. So we've got the, the I mentioned the, the sandbox routes. So we, we set those up, start doing deliveries, start running routes and, um, um, and, and continue to iterate. That is one thing that's very, very difficult to do in the aviation industry. This, this is why, because I mentioned again, that this is not an aircraft. It is more like a hovercraft. It is, we are able to move at a much faster pace when we try to integrate systems that are, that are off the shelf and, and get us to market. And, and, you know, it's, it's almost like the, the same model. I don't want Maybe this isn't the best analogy, but it's like the model that uh, that Tesla was trying to use when, when uh, implementing or when they're still trying to implement uh, autonomous, uh, fully autonomous driving. You can you can continue to upgrade the, the 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 software on board. You have the systems and continue to upgrade it uh, and modify it, have better and better systems that are safer and safer. Whereas in the in the aviation industry, if you want to include new systems or new software packages, you need to go through a very intense, very intense certification process. And, you know, if you want to pull, for example, if you, sort of an example is, is if you want to put the, together a new aircraft and get a new aircraft certified by the, by the, the regulatory bodies, that can take you seven to 10 years. If you look at some of the, the urban air mobility companies, which is, you know, that the certification process has 
almost ground fully ground that that market to a to a stop or it's 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 slowed it down dramatically so um this is one thing that that you know that we're absolutely focused on is making sure that you know we stay out of that that realm so was it last year two years ago there was like 20 ships off of off of every coast there's a ton of goods on them who knows what was on there you know everyone's christmas presents whatever it it is is does does having flying ship in the realm of this fix any of that i know you you talked about just how the logistics aspect of that like is is that how we could see the consumers goods getting to us easier like how do you how do you see that roadblock that was out there before is that is that anything that can be fixed by you guys or what do you what do you think about that yeah, Zach, I, I think, um, yes, we, we can we can definitely have an impact on that because, you know, a lot the way a lot of the goods uh, travel are through from one major port to another. And if, so our objective is to create more of a distributed uh, logistics network. So. Um, so that we don't run into those, you know, that the, the traditional like spoken hub, you know, if one one of those nodes gets um, gets congested or blocked up, it can have an impact on all all of them. If it's more of a, you know, like a a system where it's it's almost like the road system, where you know, if you have eight different ways to get to your house. Um, you're, you're, it's not as big of a deal as if you, you just lived on a, on a road. Uh, with one way in and one way out so we're trying to create alternatives and and um and, and so that that does solve uh it, it at least alleviates some of the congestion on those ports and not only that you know i mentioned the i-95 corridor imagine if we could start taking trucks those tractor trailers off of the i-95 corridor and going down from boston all the way down to uh to miami and every all points in between that's that's another thing that we we intended tackle um with, in, with this in that same kind of frame our truck drivers our ports uh, do they hate you do they hate what you're doing do they look at you as like this guy's killing what we've we've built because you know i could see them potentially like well, we don't want these truck drivers off the road we want this like where how do they interact with you or, or what are those conversations been like yeah you know uh we haven't had um and let's let's see see what happens in 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 the near future but we haven't had a ton of pushback from some of those those sectors we've heard mentionings of of uh some some unions that are, that are not thrilled about this this uh mm. um about autonomous systems period we're not eliminating jobs uh you know we're just changing the way that those jobs look like right now we've got a one or two humans in the loop at all times when when the our our craft are in operations and we do not anticipate that to, to change anytime in the in the near future um so we we see that the the way that those jobs are you know the, just the, the type of jobs are changing but you, you know it's almost like a one for one type of um of uh, 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 changeover and then you know we're also looking at regions like alaska right now we've got some partners in alaska and this they're looking at this as a job creation opportunity where you've got operators that are bringing in fresh food uh, uh to to areas because um i've heard of cases where you know in the north slope of, of alaska 
it's $30 for one gallon of milk, $30 for a gallon of milk. And they don't, the, 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 there's a joke that the, the only, uh, fresh, uh, fresh fruit that, that you can buy at the, at the grocery store are onions. Um, because it's, it's just hard to, to get, get these goods in, uh, in and out. So if we can, if we, again, can open up that market, bring in these time sensitive price critical goods, uh, to the region and allow people to, to operate the, the craft and do that loading and unloading that it could, it could just be a, a job creator. That's how we're, we're, we're seeing it. In terms of uh, production, um, so are, are, are you all manufacturing that? Are you just, uh, are you sourcing it and then putting it together? What, what's your model there in terms of, I would assume that you're probably have found or identified a, a source for batteries and that type of technology. Uh, if, talk about talk about the production and how that's happening. Yeah, Tim, we've got a, um, an assembly and test production model. So, um, uh, there, there's already a lot of manufacturing capacity out there. So if we were to set up a greenfield production site and, and bought, you know, started purchasing autoclaves and 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 you know all, all of the the equipment uh, and uh, training up the the staff, it would take a long time. But um, fortunately, there's a lot of um, manufacturing capacity that's out there that we can leverage, and we do have uh, some supply chain executives on on our team that are are fantastic. Um, uh, that have established a, a, a really good um, uh, production model. Um, but with, with that said, we're actually still uh, identifying final assembly locations. Right now we can, we're leveraging our, our, um, our suppliers for that, but uh, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're looking at, at different locations right now. Yeah, go ahead, Zach. So first time real, real business for you as, as I think you said, you're at seven, five, seven accelerate going through that. Like what's the, what's the goal of being in a program like that? Um, this, you know, we're, we're on the seven, five, seven accelerate has been a, a fantastic organization, uh, bringing in some additional resources, uh, connecting us with, I guess, uh, the, the it's almost like, uh, you know, uh, it's it's a program that teaches a startup how to do everything along the way to uh, to successfully go through, you know, capital raising and scaling and, and everything like that. So um, uh, it, it is absolutely fantastic being around some of these these experts. Uh, and I think, you know, we, we went into this not knowing how good it could be, but that we have been really impressed with the level of sophistication that that the mentors and that the the, the coordinators and everybody in the program um you know has, has just been throughout the, uh, the the course of this so so i think i think that you know it's just filling in those gaps that we might not even see and and um and ensuring that we're we're positioned right for for the market and the, the other thing that doesn't hurt is we're right outside the world's largest uh, maritime port, right? So um, this is, that's, you know, location has, has been very good for us. Yeah, in terms of that, so if you're able to set up uh, a hub here, hub test, uh, test port here, like from, 
the current like the current technologies that you're looking at what would be your radius like from here to baltimore or you know how far would you be able to fly with uh, the current vessels that you have um so we've got um so with um the 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 larger versions they're 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 going to be able to to get a range of a thousand nautical miles with the smaller uh the, i'll call them the mid-size versions you're limited uh, to between um 200 and 300 nautical miles and i don't know how yes. far that is from from to, yeah. to Baltimore from here it's going to be pretty close yeah what's well, a nautical yeah. mile like crow's way is that what that is just like the it's 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 like a a mile times what is 1.2 something like that yeah it's like yeah it's some some crazy thing one point yeah like yeah why is everything gotta be so difficult like why can't we have one thing <laughs> like come on right. like this is obnoxious you know like yes yeah, it's, you know, it's like 1.15 or something yeah something like that who decided to make this so difficult on everyone i mean it was probably americans actually we probably created yeah. our own system. That's probably what it is. I bet. You know what? I blame us. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh gosh, what? Uh, so, like, what kind of what what kind of uh, timelines have you put imposed on yourself that uh, that you're hoping to to meet or exceed? Yeah. So, so we're targeting in in a uh, in a, around a year's time. I don't want to say something uh, publicly then, <laughs> but but we've we've got we've got um, we've got uh, the major um, suppliers all spooled up right now um, for a, a twenty foot version that it's going to be going on. Uh, it's going to be doing demos and not only just demos, but doing those sandbox runs in the Caribbean. Um, we've also got a lot of demand being. We're being pulled towards Alaska quite a bit uh, and in the Mediterranean. So um, we're prioritizing a couple things right now. Uh, and then, of course, the military uh, is is always talking to us at the moment. But we can uh, we within within one year, you will see something uh, that will hopefully capture your attention, Tim. Um, well, I mean, it's just, it's what you're trying to do and, and not even trying what you are doing. It is really difficult. There's so many, like all the logistical component, like everything from, you know, what type of composite material, what type of batteries, how you're, where you're manufacturing. And then you have to have all the, the support, logistical uh, support that you need where you're flying to and from like the, like, I mean, like, I, I'm, I'm assuming that you can't use a traditional airport. Uh, so you have to have that. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts that you all have to experience. So like for the first, in your words, true startup uh, that you're taking on, you really picked a, man, that's a, it's a difficult one to, uh, to navigate. So my yeah, gosh, why didn't you I think just I, try and get the hoverboard out there? I mean, come <laughs> on. Like, did you not watch Back to the Future as a kid? Did you not want to be like Marty McFly? I mean, that would have been a heck of a lot easier, I think. Come on, man. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. I, We're gonna have yeah. flying ships before hoverboards. I mean, this is obnoxious. I, I, this makes me so angry. Yeah, it is. It's super exciting. And my, th you know, I mean, if there's one industry that deserves it, 
uh, a delay in, in self-imposed timelines. I mean, this certainly would be one. You have so many factors that you do not have control of that. So, uh, I mean, yeah. it just, it's, it's, it's ridiculously complicated. So dude, ton of credit to you and your team for trying to, to tackle such a complex industry, but it's, it's ripe, ripe for, for disruption. Yeah. 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 I mean, there, that, and that's the one thing you can kind of keep coming back to is the demand is clearly there. You could lower that cost for getting, getting that, that the time critical price sensitive goods out there. I mean, I would imagine that once fast forward five years from now, when this is just something that you see every day, it's people are going to have a conversation like, Man, do you remember back in the day where we used to have to ship this stuff in and have to wait a week for it to uh, to arrive? I mean, I would imagine that those are the types of conversations that will happen in the not too distant future. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, so you guys have a ton of commitments from from potential customers customers out there. How, how do you ensure that those customers those those commitments actually become customers? And I mean, I mean, Tim talked about, you know, trying to keep them excited about it and stuff like that and, and making sure that they stay there, but making sure that, you know, these, these commitments actually become cold, hard cash and, 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 and real customers when, when that time in the future that we don't want to say happens. Yeah. So we've got a, a customer that is actually going to be, we've got a couple of customers that are actually going to be uh, owning and operating uh, the, the, the craft with us. We're, we're not we're not going to compete directly with them, right? So we're we're um, uh, we're we're, we're going to be running those those uh, those sandbox routes on their behalf. So these are their deliveries. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, it's almost like the uh, like Frito Lay and Pepsi with the Cybertruck, Cyber Semi, or the uh, the Tesla Semi. You know, what I mean, like they're out there running the routes, uh, doing their thing. But um, yeah, it's just it's just not mad. The Semi is not mass produced yet. Oh, I didn't know that. I've learned two things today. The other thing is, is it going to be called Flying Ship? Or like, are you guys going to have a different name for it? Like a, a crazy name that um, this thing is just flying around. Yeah, we, we've got a couple names um, uh, that they're already, and to me, they're a little bit boring. Uh, but um, so if you guys have a cooler name. Uh, but yeah, we've well, got what's like, boring? Can you tell us what's naming? boring? Regional, the regional and inter-island versions, the, uh, the Coastal Express. Yeah, those are the names. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Those are boring. Well, help me out here. <laughs> I, I'm the engineer, not the marketing guy. So, uh, why are so many name planes it. named at? Oh, sorry, sorry, Tim. Why are so no, many just, planes yeah. just weird names like C? What'd you call it? A380 or the the Caspian Sea Monster? I mean, that's kind of cool. You should call it something like this. This is the Caspian Sea. You can't monster. name it after something from Russia. You got to no, call okay, it. but yeah. you can come up with something ridiculous like that, like the river, the I don't know something. I, don't, <laughs> I mean, you can have fun with it, you know. The river serpent. Yeah, I, I don't know. The don't Loch Ness know. monster. They finally found it. All that stuff's so hard. But I mean, you think about it. I mean, that's naming anything is so so difficult. Well, I, you know, I think the shorter, the better, the easier to run off, you know, someone's tongue is, is easier. Something that's so long can be a, a, a very difficult thing, even for them just to remember to go Google it. Um, but there's how many, how many different words are there that are actually available that you can do anything with now too. I mean, that becomes a challenge and 
Yeah, because like the Navy vessels, they name those after cities and stuff like that, I guess, and 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 famous people. I don't know, maybe there's presidents. There. Yeah. So well, and you, you know what they they do, and I, I'm in an industry that everybody wants to name something an abbreviation or acronym. And please don't. I, there's no way, or or putting like a number, like an A380. What if I named this the 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 two one six MLR? You know, it's like. No, I was it. listening to something the other night, Tim, like this. I know he knows this, but someone asked Elon Musk um, the pronunciation pronunciation of his child's name. I guess this there's one that has a really funky name or something like that. Oh, and there's like, yeah. yeah, so there's like three parts to it. And the last one is literally just it's named after his favorite plane or something like that, like the yeah. B-22 or something like that. SR-71, yeah. SR-71, yeah. I thought that was funny. SR-71 is pretty badass. It is yeah. a really cool plane. And, and it, the SR-71 is named after, you know, it's a number, and a, a letter and hyphenated uh, with, with a number. So maybe, maybe there is hope. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. What did the, the, the first uh, SpaceX, where they, the first test craft was with Starhopper or whatever, and that was, you know, I mean, that's kind of interesting. And then Starship is uh, that thing's just bananas altogether. I mean, Love what's it. the name of their internet? What's that thing called? Starlink. 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 That's interesting. Yeah. yeah I'll think a, of some. All... I'll think of something at some point in the next <laughs> in the in the un, in the um, upcoming future, and I'll let you know. And um, the coastal device, it will be better than the coastal whatever Majig you said. So <laughs> please help me out. Yeah. Anybody, anybody that's listening, uh, you know, we start the contest here. You can, uh, we'll, we'll figure out some sort of way to reward whoever comes up with a super cool name. Yeah. I'll give you a free copy of my book. If you, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is uh, it, naming, naming anything like that is, is extremely difficult. And like, uh, even in the craft beer industry, like the, the names that they come up with for, uh, I mean, I, I think that any hops IPA, I mean, like any of those beers, man, like, I don't even know how they continue to come up with new names. And pretty it's rad just, names. They're very yeah. unique and cool. Yeah. Steal, steal, right. a, uh, steal a name from a beer company. Let's just do that. It'll work. I know because <laughs> normally they have nothing to do with, with beer or, or hops or anything like that. They're just like, like devil's backbone. That's pretty pretty cool, but it's what does it have to do with beer? So it's true. There's a meaning somewhere. So what's something you want to talk about that we haven't talked mm. about? Uh, you know what? I, I don't know, guys. The weather, maybe we can talk about the weather. I, I like that a lot. How's the weather going to affect yeah. these, these bad boys? The, the weather does it, it. It does. I mean, the smaller versions again. The smaller versions have have uh, weather limitations. As you scale up, they they do not. So. Um, with the larger versions that I talked about, that one that can carry 6,000 pounds, 1,000 nautical miles, uh, we can uh, fly over sea, uh, take off out of Sea State 3, fly over Sea State 5, and land in Sea State 4, which means we can operate in 90% of all global sea conditions. Yeah, I was at the uh, last week, last week, week before, I, don't, I was at the uh, the Advanced Air Mobility expo that they had down down here and so one of the things that i had learned um and i'm curious your take especially since you land on on sea uh on water 
like I didn't realize that like one of the things that they had to consider and and they have to pay attention to is in the air you have bird strikes, but landing on sea you have whale. You could potentially hit a whale. You know, so like what type of things do you have to put in place to uh, pre- really? avoid and prevent that from happening? Yeah. So um, in in fact, the, there's a huge. I think it's called the right the right whale conservative conservancy um, conservancy. Uh, there's, there's a number of organizations that are out there protecting, uh, actively protecting whales and whales get hit by large ships all the time. And in fact, you can see some really sad videos of like hmm. ships coming in and there's like whales stuck to the front of them. And, you know, um, and be just, as they're traversing the ocean, they just knock right into one. Um, hmm. so because we're out of the, out of operations, we're, we're above the water for 95% of the operations of the craft were actually a lot safer for those marine mammals and, 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 uh, and other, uh, uh, uh that now obviously birds where we're still, uh, we still worry about bird strikes and, and that, that is an issue. Again, that this is one of the things that our, uh, uh, our artificial intelligence, uh, uh partners are, are, are focused on, and we are as well, but in using their, their system. So being able to, to navigate and to, to make sure whether there's a person on board or not, um, these are still issues that, that, uh, that mariners have to deal with. Well, cause what does an airport do? They just fire off guns a lot, something like that. To, to try and get rid of the dogs. Birds. Some of them will have, I'm sure they've got, they, they used to have dogs and some of them will actually used to hire people, those uh, guys with hawks <laughs> to, to scare, scare birds away. Mm. Um, probably some I would just wonder if like you could have something on, on, on the devices, on the, on the vessels that, um, you know, could just chirp at them. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it could be something as simple as that. Speak bird. Yeah, put that. some, some, some deer horns on there. Like you uh, put on your front bumper, right? Yeah, I don't know. It's I, interesting, but it was something that I had never, never even thought of or considered. But it makes total sense. Yeah, I'm thinking of different names for the for the for the device, and I think the letter V should be the first letter. I don't know what to go after it, but for some reason, because of the word vessel, that seemed interesting to me. So a word with V in there. See, I thought a military variant uh, would like a cool one would be the Marauder. But everybody's like, no, you can't, okay. you can't name it the Marauder. That that that's uh, that's sounds mm. violent. But I'm like, it's a it's a military version, so it's got to be tough what? and manly. Okay, okay, tough and badass. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Well, there's that show, Boys, and they the V is the thing. Now that I'm thinking about it, the V is like the the potent thing. I don't know. We'll figure out something for you. Yeah. Well, we'll the other thing that we'll make sure, uh, and we didn't get a chance to. To show it, you sent us a couple of video clips. We'll make sure that we put those in the uh, in the show notes, or maybe we can edit that in uh, after the show, so that people can take a look. It's it's really neat what you're what you're able to do. So when you're able to see a visual aspect of, of what it is that you're doing, uh, everything then makes sense, and uh, we'll make sure that we add that to the show notes at a minimum. But FlyingShip.co. you guys got some really cool stuff. I, I wish you the very very best. Uh, you are not. Again, you did not pick something easy to take on. That is uh, pretty impressive. Thank you. I appreciate that. 
Thanks, guys. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me on. Uh, love this podcast. So uh, glad to be able to, to, to join you guys. Yeah, thanks so much.